podcast today i am with the one the only sachi cunningham she is a legend water photographer filmmaker multimedia journalist professor mom wife and currently resides in ocean beach california so sachi welcome to the traveling mermaid podcast thank you thanks for having me all the people around the world this is the teaching Oh, where's Casey, you ask? I'm probably chasing waves, making the guys chase me. Chasing some money on the toilet or just not answering my phone. Welcome to the Traveling Mermaid podcast where nothing makes sense and I roast the kooks, even though sometimes I am one. Follow along with me on my crazy journey and I'll see you in the lineup. I'm so happy to have you on because you are, I've done some research on you and you are a real life mermaid from what I see. <laughs> um, and I read that you grew up in Pennsylvania. So did I. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where did you grow up? New Hope. Okay. Yep. I'm Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, a little uh-huh. bit different. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> How was um, your life different from the life you live now where you're in the o- ocean almost, I read um, on one of your interviews, almost six days a week. Is that right? I mean, if I can, seven days a week. Yeah. yeah. So what was the question? Well, how how different is your life from growing up in Pittsburgh to now being in the ocean all the time and right yeah. next to it? And, I, and I li- I, um, I'm in San Francisco, California. Um, at The neighborhood is Ocean Beach because uh, it's right on when you look at a map of the US it's that little part of <laughs> California that's right hitting the coast and when I was growing up I was you know I, we had three rivers in Pittsburgh but no ocean yeah and I used to say I lived on the East Coast but um, technically it wasn't the East Coast um, <laughs> I did that too <laughs> I did that too <laughs> so more uh, Midwest probably than anything so um, I still though was in the water six days a week because I was a swimmer I was a competitive swimmer uh, in chlorinated pools. Mm-hmm. Um, I only learned um, recently, I can't believe they don't have any plaques or anything up, but I swam in the, my, my swim team swam in the pool that, it's probably a different pool, but same location of uh, where Duke Kahanamoku had his first US, uh, his first uh, mainland, um, I'm sorry, um, we don't say mainland, it should be a <laughs> continent, um, his first uh, race on the continent uh, in preparation for the Olympics. It was, I believe, his first indoor swimming race. Wow. Uh, was at the same pool, which that's super interesting. Made me uh, feel excited about my roots Kinda in comes Pittsburgh. Full circle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now I live across from the ocean, and I try and get in every day if I can. And during this time where you were growing up in Pittsburgh as a competitive swimmer, were you ever ocean swimming at all? Were you ever going to the beach? Yeah, so since I was born, my grandparents used to rent a beach house in Capistrano Beach, California, Mm -hmm. which is near here um, on Beach Road. And so for two weeks every summer, I would be exposed to the ocean. And, you know, as soon as I learned to swim and get in the ocean, I did. So I don't know, I was probably three or four when I was Mm -hmm. getting in the ocean. But all I remember is 100% loving it and wondering why we didn't live there and (laughs) just crying when we had to leave and so I would look forward to those two weeks every year Mm -hmm. and when I had agency to you know live where I ever I wanted to I 
moved to California. And so I've been in California longer, much longer than Pittsburgh at this point. And um, I'm not planning to leave. I love that. Um, was it a big adjustment? I know you, you're a competitive swimmer, so you're obviously all naturally good in the water. But did you feel an adjustment going from wearing just a bathing suit in the pool to a heavy wetsuit? I know 5'4", probably, in San Francisco. How was uh, getting used to that? Yeah, I think it's actually wetsuits are flotation devices yeah. right so it's actually kind of nice to have a wetsuit i think for that reason um it's also nice because it is freezing cold yep. <laughs> um but i actually like the cold water it's invigorating and science has proven that it's also very good for you yeah. so um i think what i mean but they're just two different two different animals you know yeah. a pool yeah. uh, versus the ocean I much prefer the ocean I mean I don't you know I, I used to look at the clock when I was working out you know swim team practice yep. I was looking <laughs> yeah. at the clock for those Counting two down hours the seconds. Yeah, yeah just like but I don't think I've ever looked at a clock wondering when it's going to be time to get out when I'm surfing it's always the opposite <laughs> for like, sure oh, trying no. to stay in as long yeah, as possible yeah exactly so um Saji how did you get into water photography so I when I was in Pittsburgh and a teenager there was a documentary um about Aaron Chang that was on TV and my father was watching it and knew I had an interest at that point in both photography and surfing and he you know summoned me down Sachi get down here <laughs> because back then programming you know mm -hmm. TV was programmed and if you missed it you missed it um, couldn't go Google it so I came down and saw this guy Aaron Chang who's a pioneering water photographer who I didn't I just learned today took a photo of Sean Thompson that was used for surf riders um, advertising when it wow. first started anyhow Aaron Chang was in the water in the waves with his mm -hmm. camera and this is long before Instagram or anything like that so as a kid in Pittsburgh I had zero exposure or knowledge yeah. of a thing called water photography water mm -hmm. surf photography um, but I saw that and I was like that's what I need to be doing that's yeah. everything I love and want to do and so I just kind of stored that thought in my mind and when I got my first job out of college I uh, it was teaching English in Japan and I saved up money to buy a camera and get a custom housing and I found uh, someone to mentor me and uh, that was the start of it so that was 28 years ago I love how you just sent it and and bought the camera I think that's <laughs> so inspiring how, kind of like you were called to I, do I that definitely was you know we didn't have GoPros and like uh, yeah. less expensive mm -hmm. ways to start and so you just had to go for it and I did I just knew I knew it was my calling and it's and sure enough as soon as I got in the water with that thing I was even knew more that it was where I was supposed to be what was your first ex I know there how heavy is your camera when you that first camera you had that first camera is probably about the same and they're around 20, 20 pounds then. with the yeah what was your first housing. experience can you remember the first time you went out to shoot yeah it was in a tiny island off of the south of Japan and I was just shooting some friends down there it was a beach break and 
I mean, it just was just pure ecstasy and bliss. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, listening to your panel, you talked about how you didn't get into surfing until you were an adult yourself. Mm-hmm. I have many listeners on here who are so um, adults who have never surfed before and have been inspired to start surfing. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like surfing since you seem like such a natural athlete yourself? I was a terrible surfer. <laughs> I still am a terrible surfer. <laughs> I've been surfing for, you know, 20 also 28 years now but it's it's embarrassing I'm still a terrible surfer um but I love it and that's and I have fun that's what's most important but I could not even stand up for like the first three months of learning how to surf I wasn't surfing every day mind you but like every time I went out I couldn't even stand up then I get more and more frustrated with myself and beating myself up and just frustrated 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 I mean to the point of crying like why can't I get this um And then finally I got it, you know, and Mm -hmm. just little by little um, picking it up. But, you know, it's hard. Yeah, it's 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 a really hard sport. Some people can pick it up really quick, but it's hard. And that's it's challenging. And that's why I love it. It's Mm -hmm. it's because of that challenge. But I think it's important to just not give up and to I think part of why I didn't want to learn as a young girl is I didn't want to I was too self-conscious and didn't want to look stupid mm-hmm. and and then also actually I, I held off for a while because I was very you know I was, I was proficient at body surfing I could mm-hmm. body surf anything and then I was shooting photos and I could get out into anything so I was hanging around really good surfers yeah and I was just embarrassed that I was like a then gonna go on a surf <laughs> <Yeah. way. laughs> I didn't want to reveal my true identity as a kook <laughs> I love how you ended up um overcoming that though and yeah and surfing yourself what was it like introducing your daughter to the ocean and how early on did you do that yeah well I guess you could argue I introduced her to it before she was born because I named her Nami which means wave in Japanese oh I love that and um the first when is the well you know I did have a we took her to the beach since she was I mean uh, since she was a week old um but the first time I'm trying to think well I what I wanted to share is one experience when she was really really little like uh, I mean maybe like she was walking so maybe like a toddler age maybe two and a half or something I um she also loves the ocean and she would just charge towards it but the Mm -hmm. waves um ocean beach is actually the deadliest uh, beach break in the country in terms of drownings and it's very powerful and the I mean, just there's lots of dangerous elements, very Mm -hmm. serious, dangerous elements um, involved in that ocean. And so she would just charge in the water. And I was like, I this wave was coming. And I was like, I'm just going to let her get knocked down so that she understands what this ocean is and what it does. And it knocked her off her feet. And not even a second later, I swooped her up. But I saw the panic in her eyes, like Mm -hmm. sheer terror in her eyes. And she would not even go like within a mile. She, if she would not go to the ocean for a year. Wow. Like she wouldn't even step on the sand. She would not, if we were this close, I mean, no. So as I'm talking to you, we're at Huntington Mm -hmm. beach and we're maybe 200 yards from the beach. She would not go any closer than that. Wow. And that completely broke my heart. Yeah. I was like, I've ruined her life forever. And, um, but she's gotten over it. She says she doesn't remember that mm-hmm. incident. You know, I think, it, again, it was just like bringing her back, bringing her back little by little. And 
she first surfed in Hawaii on a trip. You know, Hawaii is so wonderful because it's warm yeah. and there's so many options for beginners. And um, so that was where she caught her first wave surfing. And what's really changed her surfing, and she's still a very beginner surfer because it's it's just Ocean Beach is not for kids. And um, mm-hmm. so uh, what really changed it, though, is she started the Junior Lifeguard Program yeah. that's run by Cal State Parks um, last summer. And she's mm-hmm. going to do it for a second summer. This will be her second year. And it was just night and day after she learned from the junior guard program mm-hmm. about how the currents work and how to save people and how, you know, just the knowledge has been profound in wow. terms of her ability in the water and her comfort and confidence in the water. And I'm sure that will only grow with time and watching you in the water as well. Um, I, so. I read you are a professor at San Francisco State University, is that correct? Correct. What I- in the journalism department, right? Mm-hmm. What yeah. is your favorite part about being a professor? It's the mentorship that I was talking about on this panel. It's, um, you know, just teaching the next generation and mm-hmm. hopefully helping them find their passion and purpose. And um, and I think what's a real gift of teaching is that you can see change happen right in front of your eyes. Yeah. You can see those Beautiful. light bulbs go out, you know, go off and um, you can see that progress right before your eyes. You know, with journalism and storytelling, you put these stories out in the world often to you know I, I can't see your audience um, physically mm-hmm. right now um, and so y- you just put it out into the ether and don't really know if it's creating change or not or affecting people's lives yeah but with teaching you know it's right there you can see it in front of you and it's immediate and that's a really mm-hmm. nice feeling so I don't know if you can answer this but which role do you like do you love more professor or water photographer I'm going to get in trouble with my bosses (laughs) at San Francisco State, but water photography is at the top of the list. Yes. I can only imagine. It it always will be. (laughs) So how did you get into shooting bigger waves? Well, it's because of my job at San Francisco State that I was able to do that because, um, you know, it's hard to make a living doing just water photography. There are a few people out there doing it, but... um, I grew up in a time where there just weren't those opportunities for me as a woman and as a woman who didn't grow up in surf culture and didn't have those contacts. So um, what the teaching gives me a flexibility of schedule that I can, when the surf is good, I am usually able to plan around that. And um, the big waves was, honestly, it was an, it was an accident. There was a there's even a video about me where they titled me big wave water photographer and I was like super stressed about that because I was like everybody's gonna you know I didn't want to be like I I never called myself that ever it just so happens that I live where big waves are yes so when you are you know so Ocean Beach has some very large surf and it's a really good training ground for bigger waves it's a great training ground for all waves around the world Um, but the next progression for most surfers, if they are liking the big waves at ocean beach is to go to Mavericks, which is about 20 minutes south of there. And Mm. so that's how I, I kind of, yeah, I just kind of by accident and you know, I'm a Capricorn, I'm always finding mountains to climb. And so it just, um, made sense Mm -hmm. for me to, and, and I, I just love them. I, I do, I have a huge love of, um, gigantic, beautiful waves that power and um just feeling small and insignificant 
is a, actually a good feeling. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, I heard that you've been giving the name Seal Pup at Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Where did this come from? And tell us more about your experience of shooting at Mavericks. Sure. Uh, the nickname Seal Pup was actually given to by my friend Lance Harriman um, at Ocean Beach. And, um, you know, I guess for obvious reasons, I actually saw a whole bunch of seals the other day, which you don't really want to see in the water. Yeah. But, um, um, and what is the experience of surfing Mavericks? Yeah. Is that the, or, or shooting at shooting? Mavericks? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I haven't surfed it yet. Um, it's, um, it's just, you love it's an, it's next level because it's really, um, open ocean, deep water and, you know, in parts deep. It just, you just feel kind of like you're in the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Even though you're closer to land, technically, than you are oftentimes at Ocean Beach, it's just uh, feels more vast. It's just um, it's over a reef. There's much more marine activity, you know, just it's um, just it's a force. And so I just love being in that energy. And then um, I love being, you know, with these incredible athletes to witness what they're doing on the waves is just um, I love it. Do you feel the athletes have a different um, mentality when they're at Mavericks? Like, do you feel like the energy is different? It's more game on or relaxed or? Well, it's interesting because it's so, I actually think people, it's more aggro at Ocean Beach because at Mavericks, it's still very aggro, extremely competitive. There's only one place, you know, spot to take off. It's, um, so there's competition and aggroness in terms of, surviving there and then to get a wave but then there's also these lulls and people are just you know chit-chatting away Mm -hmm. and um yeah so it's 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 also got a really nice kind of community vibe or social kind Mm -hmm. of vibe um i know you're working on your new documentary Mm -hmm. she change Mm -hmm. can you tell us more about this and where you got this idea from yeah well i got the idea because i was uh uh, filming and photographing uh, an invitational aw- event for women at Mavericks uh, that was run by uh, Wicker, which is a messaging app. Um, and they had invited about a dozen women from around the world to surf at Mavericks. It um, was unofficial because it wasn't um, like an, we didn't get a permit. It was kind of mm-hmm. it was just a gathering. We were calling it like a, a gathering um, and. I was hired to uh, do a story for the Chronicle and for Surfline and um, for a documentary called "It Ain't it, it Ain't Pretty," and that was the first time I had ever swum in the water at Mavericks. And I think just having this community of women that I was filming gave me the courage to get in and do that. It was yeah. something I had always been curious about doing. Uh, but definitely these women inspired me Mm -hmm. to do it and I was I remember how like terrified I was and um, because you've seen photos of it but Mm -hmm. then when you're in it and you see the you know wave coming you're just uh, uh, yeah I was both terrified and um, also just knew that yeah I I loved it Mm -hmm. and um, you know it doesn't break that often so I'm not in that often, and that's the challenge of both surfing big waves and shooting him is you what you get to practice like five days a year or like you know yeah more than that, but it's just you're trying to get good at something that you really don't have that many opportunities to mm-hmm. practice so um 
and because I have a child and a job, I miss I miss some of those opportunities, a lot yeah. of those opportunities, especially this year. But um, you know, just gratitude for what I can get mm -hmm. and, and hopefully I can do it for a few years longer that's amazing yeah <laughs> and what are your goals with the the movie the documentary of she change coming out and what are you hoping to do with this yeah thanks for getting me back on track yeah. so I met those women at this event and I knew that this was the first time there had ever been that many women certainly at Mavericks but I think it was the first time there were ever this many women surfing a big wave yeah and all of us it was electric all of us knew that something was happening there and that wow. together we were really creating change and so I at the time was finishing up another feature documentary called Crutch which is about a dancer who has a hip disability and dances with a hybrid of breakdancing and skateboarding and that film was taking all of my time. I was like, I am never making a documentary without a budget first. And, um, you know, I'm not going down this road again. So yeah. I was the opposite of looking for a new project. But when I saw these women and met these women, it was just like I was literally swimming in the, you know, story, immersed in the story of my career. I mean, mm -hmm. I just because I had done a, a story called Chasing the a video story called Chasing the Swell when I was at the L.A. Times. I was on their started their video team. And um, my last story for them was a three part video series called Chasing the Swell, which was about big wave surfers chasing a swell from Hawaii to Mavericks to Todos Santos. And so I was already very familiar with the big wave community and um, the stories within it. So this was obviously, and I was interested in stories about social change. And, you know, I got involved with surf photography in the first place because I wanted to take pictures of women because I simply didn't see mm -hmm. any or enough, you know, photos of women. So I wanted to add to the um, library of images that would be out there that would people could be what they could see and um so i was just like oh god this is it like i, I can't yeah. I, I can't step away mm -hmm. i can't unsee what i've seen <laughs> <clears throat> so i started following the women and um i picked the four i did at the time uh it was very fortunate but mostly i picked them because they were so good and they were naturally a friends group mm -hmm. And I thought it was just going to be about them and their amazing feats in the water. But then they took it to the next level, which I guess is not surprising for big wave surfers. Of but, course. you know, they um, both asked for a heat at the Mavericks competition and eventually um, asked, got that using California coastal law to do so. And then they um, asked to get paid equally. And uh, eventually the World Surf League agreed to that, which meant they had to agree to equal pay, not just at the Mavericks contest, but about for contests around the world. Mm -hmm. And it became the first sports league in history to do that. So wow. I had a you know little piece of history. I got involved with journalism yeah. because it's uh, the saying is it's the first draft of history. And I really like that aspect of journalism. And so to be on the front lines of history being made has been the privilege of my career i love that so much i'm super excited to watch it thank you and can you tell um, my listeners where they can help support you with yeah, creating this so, documentary yeah I, i'm mostly the film is mostly shot we have a few 
interviews to do, um, but and maybe some pickup scenes. But it's mostly shot. I'm working my, with my editor. But filmmaking, what they don't teach you in film school is that filmmaking is 90% fundraising. Um, because in my case, I'm an independent filmmaker. So mm -hmm. I have to come up with the money to do what I'm doing. And so I am hustling to raise the final funds to finish the film. I'm working with a wonderful editor named Stephanie Matura and um, I just want to keep paying her so yes. that she can help me you know, so that we can get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. So that's the goal. Um, yeah, I'd love to get this, love to have this in, done uh, by fall next year to submit to Sundance. So Wow. That's awesome. But if people want to yes. help me get there or um, know of anyone who might want to contribute as an investor or donor to the film, you can go to shechangethefilm.com and it's she, like um, female, she, S-H-E, change dot, no, sorry, shechangethefilm.com. I love that. Yeah. Um, I read a quote you said, and I was super inspired by it. Um, it said, you don't want to get the same shots as just everyone else on the boat. Mm -hmm. Have you ever wanted to shoot, like, from the, do you ever shoot from the land? Or are you just shooting from the water? Are you inspired by shooting from from boats? Or is it mostly you get that feeling and that, ha I mean, pure well, bliss from being in the water? Yeah, so the problem, especially in big wave water photography, is that if you're swimming, um, you miss a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of shots because mm -hmm. even though you can be really close to the action, a tiny little lip of water can, because you're at sea level, a tiny little lip can come up and block your view. Even though there's a 50 foot wave, you know, a hundred mm -hmm. yards behind that, you can't see anything because there's a little one foot wave in front of your camera. So I love, I, you know, that the quote is funny because I, I, I hopefully somebody will let me on their boat still because I still, <laughs> I still love shooting yeah. on boats um, and skis. If I am getting hired to shoot, I will almost always shoot from a boat or ski yeah. because of that missing. Like I can't afford to miss a shot. Yeah. And so I won't miss a shot if I'm on a boat or a ski. And the other advantage of being on a boat or a ski is you're higher up. So you don't get mm -hmm. that lip and you also get it. it. That gives a nice vantage point for the um, for the wave mm -hmm. but you know not just with surf photography but all photography all photography um, you want to have a unique view a unique yeah. angle it's right beautiful. you don't want the same story as everyone else mm -hmm. so and it's beautiful how you are getting that shot as well you know the obstacles you are overcoming just to get that one shot even if you're missing a couple yeah. of them yeah it's beautiful um, you're an inspiration to so many females and males what advice do you have for people in, in surfing and not in surfing for overcoming fear? I mean, you're around people yeah. who are overcoming fear, big wave surfing, and I'm sure you have some fear sometimes uh -huh. in the water as well. How do you overcome that? Um, I, repetition is recognition. Somebody said that to me. I think that goes with um, lots of things, but uh, it's just time spent in the water is really mm -hmm. is to... Um, Listen to your fears because fear is an emotion that was designed in us humans for a reason. It keeps us safe. And I definitely still have fear, but over time and over, you know, multiple, lots of exposure to these bigger waves, you get used to them. You, you know, recognize what's coming to you. You can anticipate how you're going to react to it. Um, I also, uh, safety first, you know, and, I have done a ton of 
uh, work in that area and I would definitely recommend for anyone um, not only who wants to go into bigger surf but all surf um, I have taken this uh, big wave risk assessment group training yes. where it's um, lifeguard training essentially for um, big waves specifically I also highly recommend doing a breath hold course um, which I did per with performance free divers offers a big wave specific breath hold course and that was probably the most I mean that's been some of the most uh, important training because it, it just also teaches you how to st teaches you how to stay calm teaches mm -hmm. you the physiology behind holding your breath which all humans can do you know yeah. all humans it doesn't matter if you exercise or not we all physically have the okay. ability to hold our breath for four minutes mm -hmm. so um, or longer um, it's just about training the mind to not panic and um, yeah I love that. Thank you. Well, Sachi, thank you so much for coming on the Traveling Mermaid podcast. Could you um, tell us your Instagram and then say the website one more time where people can find information on she change? Sure. Yeah. So uh, my Instagram, my personal Instagram is csachi, so S-E-A-S-A-C-H-I. And the film's Instagram is at she changed the film s h e c h a n g e <laughs> the film t h e f a l m um, and the <laughs> website is she changed the film.com thank you so much for coming on and we will be definitely looking forward to watching your film thank you thank you very much <laughs>